From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Thursday, the 24th of November, 2022. Good afternoon. Today, we're going to be talking about the Apple protests in China. We'll also be discussing three of today's other important stories. But first, the protests in China. Workers at a Foxconn factory in Zhengzhou, China, have this week gone to the streets to protest against working conditions and delayed pay. Foxconn is a supplier to Apple, and the factory itself is the largest factory for iPhones in the world, meaning that the staff walkout is really bad news for Apple. Not just because of the bad press, but also because of the huge loss of productivity in one of its most important factories. China has had pretty harsh COVID laws in order to try and prevent another outbreak. At the Foxconn factory, a so-called closed-loop system was set up in late October. This system sees workers in the factory live and work on the site with their colleagues. But this has only fueled discontent. Some have grown tired of this and have broken out of the closed-loop system and have gone home. As a result, the company have had to recruit new workers and have promised generous bonuses. The trigger for the latest protest appears to be a plan to delay bonus payments, according to information shared by demonstrators on social media. Some workers have claimed that the contracts were changed in order to remove a promised subsidy, and have additionally claimed that they have been locked down without sufficient food supplies. In response to these conditions, workers took to the streets. Hundreds of workers can be seen marching in video footage circulating on social media. Other footage shows clashes between protesters, who can be seen taking down quarantine barriers and police wearing hazmat suits and holding plastic riot shields. One police officer was seen kicking and hitting a protester with a club after he grabbed a metal pole that was being used to beat him. For their part, Foxconn has said that the confusion overpay was down to a technical error that occurred during the onboarding process. They added that they are in constant communication with employees and that it was doing its best to actively solve the concerns and reasonable demands of employees. The company said regarding any violence, they will continue to communicate with employees and the government to prevent similar incidents from happening again. Okay, so that's the biggest story of the day, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. The King of Malaysia has appointed longtime opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim as the country's new prime minister, five days after the general election ended in an unprecedented hung parliament. 75-year-old Anwar's political journey has been a dramatic one. He's come close to the premiership a number of times. He served as deputy prime minister in the 1990s and was tipped as the potential successor to the prime minister in 2018. But in between, he spent almost a decade in prison, following convictions for sodomy, which he maintains were politically motivated. The result of Saturday's election suggested that Malaysia was set for further political instability after three years with three prime ministers. But the king convened a meeting with the heads of Malaysia's royal houses for consultation and eventually appointed Anwar Ibrahim as the new prime minister. The UMNO alliance, which ruled Malaysia from independence in 1957 until 2018, said it would support a government nominated by the king, which should give Anwar's reformist alliance of hope enough parliamentary support for a majority. Anwar faces a number of challenges beyond his likely unstable majority, including a fragile economy and political divisions highlighted by the electoral gains of the strict Islamist party PAS. 
If there's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. Exactly one year ago, a migrant boat crossing the English Channel sank, tragically resulting in around 30 deaths. According to a leaked report obtained by French paper Le Monde, when the dinghy pleaded for help, the French Coast Guard ignored it. It's been suggested that the actions of the French authorities may have put them at risk of being handed criminal charges of non-assistance of persons in danger. Additionally, when the French Coast Guard informed the British Coast Guard that the vessel was entering British waters, they did not convey that the boat was sinking, information that the French knew at the time. The British prioritised three other boats in distress that night, saving 98 people. Additionally, French authorities are reported to have refused help from a passing tanker. They also refused to send a rescue boat as they claimed it was engaged in another rescue operation. The French newspaper Le Monde claimed that this was false and the boat was not performing any vital task. Our thoughts are with the families of all of those who lost their lives that night. Now, we reported on the Serbia-Kosovo license plate dispute a couple of days ago, when things weren't looking promising. Last-minute talks appeared to have failed, and the EU warned of the potential for escalation and violence. To summarise very briefly, Kosovo plans to issue fines to drivers using Serbian-issued license plates, a move which angered the ethnic Serb minority in northern Kosovo, who, like Serbia, do not recognise Kosovo's 2008 Declaration of Independence from Serbia. Hundreds, including police officers, resigned from public positions in protest against the rules. We ended that story by saying that Kosovo had agreed to postpone the enforcement of the new rules by 48 hours. Those 48 hours appear to have proven fruitful, as the EU's top diplomat, Josep Borrell, who has been mediating the talks, said a new deal had been reached. Borrell said Serbia had agreed to stop issuing license plates with Kosovan cities' denominations on them, and Kosovo would cease further actions related to re-registration of vehicles. The parties will be invited to reconvene for further talks to discuss next steps. In the final uplifting story today, we discuss the first disabled astronaut. The European Space Agency has today confirmed that 41-year-old British Paralympian John McFall, who lost his right leg in a motorcycle accident when he was 19, will be the first disabled person to go to space. About this, he said, With my broad scientific background and a vast range of experiences, I felt compelled to try and help ESA answer this question. Can we get someone with a physical disability to do meaningful work in space? That's all we have time for on YouTube, but if you want to watch the extended ad-free edition of The Daily Briefing, that's over on Nebula. Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also an extended edition of the show every single day, available to watch on Nebula or stream on your podcast app of choice. So if you want to support the channel and get a more extensive daily briefing every day, you'll want to sign up. And there's good news. Our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers some of the best documentaries, is offering a deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $15 a year. That's all the best documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream and then more TLDR on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and it's always ad-free. Click the link below to get both services for less than $15 a year and support the channel. Right, come on, Sandra.